This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, game week one in the books. How do you feel? That was pretty insane, man. <laughs> that was that was perhaps the most insane game week one in history. Yeah, yeah, it what, really what was. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it started with a seven goal thriller on Friday. That and game it, was uh, that yeah. game foretold what was to come, and that it was just all complete mayhem. Perhaps not the best quality football we've seen. I, you know, I feel like that caveat's not even necessary anymore because I, I don't know what high quality football is. I mean, I, I know that, like, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. Probably isn't the most high quality, but it's fun. You know, the Premier League is fun, and either you want fun or you want high quality, and you probably can't really have both. Yeah, need we reference again the top ten rules for FPL success? Have fun. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So it was a crazy game week. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a pretty good game week for me, and I, I think pretty good for you as well, right? I mean, maybe not like you had a couple areas that you want to improve, but not bad. Yeah, um, I guess uh, just jumping to Tom Knight's question on social media, he says, not game week one specific, but what do you consider a good or bad game week? So I've, I actually, before Tom even asked this question, I'm thinking about this in respect to my 72-point score. Uh, it's well above average. Uh, the average this week is 58 points. And as we said, game week one is usually really hard to predict, uh, often can be low scoring. I think I was in the 50s last game week one, which seemed mm-hmm. pretty standard. So yeah, by all accounts, I should be happy with a 72-point score, but somehow I'm unhappy with it. Um, I is think it because be- I'm just seeing a lot of problems with my squad. Right. And the big point hauls came from very predictable areas, you know, Manchester United, Manchester City, Spurs, and, and Spurs and Liverpool. So uh, those all delivered. So certain questions remain to be answered, and I have a lot of problems now to fix in my team. So, Brandon, before we get any further, let's talk a little bit about how we're going to do this this podcast. Um, it's it's nice to have a reactive podcast for once, right? Where we're not previewing stuff; we actually have stuff to talk about that. 
that that counts, you know, like people have. So it is so hard to act like, you know, what is going to happen in the future, because (laughs) exactly these things are just so difficult to predict. You often are made to look the fool. I know. We, I mean, we got to ask like a lot of questions before the game we started about like how you know Coutinho not playing is going to affect Firmino, and it's a very difficult question to answer. And anyone who's who pretends that they know the answer is lying to you, right? Or they're just, <laughs> or they're what they're doing is they're making it up and they're pretending that they know for a fact, you know. But we, it's it's a very complicated thing. Not only. Even if you look at the evidence from last year, you know, the most Salah wasn't playing last year, right? And he is we already saw in game week 1 how much he's affecting yeah. every aspect of their gameplay. So it's 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 you know, it's a very difficult question to to answer anyway. So, uh before we get into all these difficult questions, yeah, what are we going to talk about this podcast? We're going to talk about uh okay, part 1. First impressions. That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to talk about our own teams. We're going to talk about uh, the Hill Shooter Super League a little bit. Uh, part two, we're going to talk about the key questions going into game week two. Uh, some questions about uh, 7 million midfielders, questions about uh, Man United players, lots of different questions. Uh, and then part questions three. about gonna, my team mostly. It's mostly about Brandon's team. And then part three, we're going to preview uh, the fixtures in game week two. And that's that's the podcast. Far out, dude. Um that sounds good. All right, so I kind of talked about how my team did. Josh, you had a stellar week. I did, and I finished on uh, 94 points for the game week, which is uh, probably the best opening game week that I can remember having. Um, I'm like 24,000 in the world right now, uh, number one in a lot of personal leagues. I'm even in the top 50 in the Hail Cheater Super League, which I think in the all the years we've done this, I've never been in the top 50 once. Like, any You're on one, the front page. Any, any game week ever. Josh uh, so, screenshot that. Yeah, I, I really should. Exactly. So I'm, I'm number two in the Patreon Supporters League. So this is like a, a night. I'm enjoying this this nice moment. We need to talk about that, though, Josh. We'll thank all of our lovely Patreon supporters in a little bit. But this is not how it works. We're we're trying to ask these wonderful listeners for their money. And you don't turn around and then beat them at your own game. I know. Game. That's, I know. Really we need to start playing, playing worse. And I, I think that'll start in game <laughs> week two. Uh, so, I, you know, it was it was a pretty exciting game week. Um I okay, so the, I guess the biggest thing, and it was kind of flew in the face of stuff we talked about in the podcast. I mean, actually, I almost felt a little guilty about it. But uh, on Friday, tinkering with my team, trying um, you know a million different formations, and um, I just really, I really felt like I needed some Liverpool coverage in my squad. Um, and uh, the only way for me to really do that was to bring in Firmino. You know, at eight point five, he just basically it was either um, it was William and Gabby Adini or Ward Prowse and. Firmino. And -hmm. I just ultimately thought that the upgrade from Gabby Adini to Firmino was so much larger than the upgrade from Ward Prowse to William that it was worth the move. Um, so I brought the I, so I brought in Firmino, but it, it made for a slightly you know pretty expensive front line, and I had um pretty expensive back line too with De Gea and uh, Bertrand. So I brought in Hagazi, who is the uh, the West Brom four point five million West Brom defender. I brought him in for two reasons. Uh, one is on Friday morning. Ben I, Dinnery, I want to hear all the rationale for this. Right, right. Uh, on Friday morning, Ben Dinnery, um had a um, you know, it's a quote from Poulos who said that uh, you know Macaulay, who Hagazi is ostensibly replacing uh, Macaulay, that Macaulay is um, is still out and uh, hopefully he'll be ready in a few weeks. And so I thought, well, he's also you know, an ancient man, Macaulay. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. We may so, never see him again. <laughs> so I thought, well, you know, he's at the very least he's going to uh, play for the next couple of game weeks and two or three. And 
you know, he might go away. He might not play starting in game week four or something like that. But why don't I solve that problem then? You know, why don't I like sometimes in the past I've made this mistake of not bringing in a player of value because I don't like their fixtures on the line or I don't know if they're a sure starter. Um, But sometimes you just you just need a good points count every game week, you know. And so if there's a chance to bring in. I just thought he was the best 4.5 million starter for game week one and um, and probably game week, two, you know, an excellent starter for game week two as well. away to Burnley. Um, and so I thought, well, it was just worth the risk, you know, and then Sam I'll just, I might have just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, so I brought in Higazi and then he um, oh, and then so it was it was the, there was the Ben Dinnery thing. And then someone sort of casually joked on um, they were responding to someone who was like talking up Jay Rodriguez. And he said, well, you know, if you want to. If you want a player in West Brom that can score, you got to bring in a center back. Um, and I was like, yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's like, I like uh-huh. the players who score in West Brom. So, um, yes, yeah, so I brought him in. I got 15 points. And it totally justifies the punt because now even if he gets a blank the next two game weeks, I'm still, you know, I mean, even if he got 0-0 zero and zero in game week 2 and 3, I'm still averaging five points per game from him. So Yeah, and um, at 15, yeah. he was the top point scorer in the entire game. I and mean, he's right. top of the stats charts right now on the FPL site. Yeah, exactly. So I got I got, I got Higazi, then I had Danilo, Bertrand, and De Gea in my backline. Danilo was another player, kind of like Higazi, who, you know, do I do I think I'm gonna have to take him out eventually? I do, um, but do I think I can get three weeks out of him? Yes, you know. And so yeah, the yeah. only worrying sign with Danilo right now is the fact that he was the first to be subbed out, right? Uh, when Pep wanted to start tinkering with wing play, yeah. and I I did anticipate that too. And you know, I I can go. He can actually. If he goes on the bench in uh, game week two, I actually have uh, Ben Mee on the bench. Um, you know, and they're hosting West Brom in game week two. So I felt like I was pretty covered, even if he doesn't play. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was a special. that I, I kept in Lukaku, like like many of us. And uh, I had Christian Eriksen. Um, Loftus-Cheek, I only got two points from, but I was I was happy with how he played. And so I feel like he's okay, like he, it's okay as, as a fourth. It's, I, I don't know how I feel about having a fourth midfielder long term who's only um who's like a 4.5 million guy and and what looks like might be kind of a bad team right <laughs> yeah that that crystal palace result was perhaps the most damaging fpl result uh, this game week i think in my opinion yeah it the, the most worrying it, sure. it it was worrying especially for everyone who has Zaha. you know it's definitely concerned the one move that i made that i regret was actually having ward prouse um not not that i mean i got 3 points for him which is which is okay but um I wish that I had gambled on someone like Aaron Mui. Um, uh, like I, I wish that th- that spot was a spot for me to take a risk. And I feel like I kind of went with the obvious choice. But um, You could have hit the century mark. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't think he was very impressive, uh, Prowse. And, um, and so he, I'm either not going to make a move this, this in game week two or I'm probably going to bring out Ward Prowse. You missed a perfect opportunity to make a prowess pun right there. I did. His, his prowess I, was not so hanging on Yeah, it was hanging there. Although if we make if we make a pun based on somebody's name, surely we'll get a tweet saying that we're just mispronouncing their name. So <laughs> right. the League of Nations will will tweet us and, and say it's actually pronounced Browse. All right, Brandy, before we get any further, Mark M. Bison 22 on Twitter says, we have a special segment with its own theme tune to pay homage to the Volkswagen. Uh, yeah, I think we need to put this out to the always cheating community. I'm sure we have some musicians out there, but given <laughs> how much this podcast has loved Sam Vokes. Yeah, let's give people a little last. background here. We have a lot of a lot of new listeners this year. Let's talk about yeah. Vokes for just a minute. 
Okay, it goes back to the start of last season. Burnley was playing Liverpool, and it was game week two or three. And both Andre Gray and Sam Vokes ended up scoring, and the bandwagon was gravitating strongly toward Andre Gray, even from the preseason. But I just had this feeling about Sam Vokes, and I wanted to be vocal about my love for Sam Vokes, and that sort of carried through our podcasting season. Whenever I had the chance to sing his praises, I did. And we kind of got this thing going online about the Vokes wagon, uh, get on board, and uh, it's it's just it's snowballed from there. It really has. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. Who are who are kind of the all stars and always cheating? It's Sam Vokes. Uh, I guess. Well, DMRC Ambicani. DMRC Ambicani, of course. He's the patron saint of the podcast. Quadmo uh, Poku. Yeah, Quadmo Poku, famous NYCFC, now Miami. You got a lot of you got, you got a lot of Britos love. Didn't you? Didn't actually end up having Britos in the end. Yeah, it's funny that I mentioned Britos. Okay, so if if I set my team like I had mentioned it in our game week one preview, it's a pretty pretty killer picks in there, including. Yeah. Like, Munier and, and Miguel Britos, but uh, I didn't end up retaining Britos in my squad. So I, I, there was my impulse when people started tweeting at us like, oh, yeah, Britos, you guys must be loving this. I almost wanted to lie and say, yeah, <laughs> this is great for my squad. But no, I didn't have him. Well, I, I, America appreciates the honesty. Well, and I, I mentioned at the top, Josh, my score for the week was 72. My real problem ended up being my midfield. So I had the same front line as you. It's Lukaku, Kane, and Firmino. Definitely feeling exactly how you were feeling, and, and that was a, a great way into the Liverpool attack. It seemed necessary. And I ended up just... I ended up spreading money around my midfield in a completely haphazard, idiotic way. <laughs> and I brought in, I, I went for Wilfred Zaha, which um, sort of was the straw that broke the back, so to speak. And I ended up then with Alex Awobi and Ryan Frazier from Bournemouth. That's a, that's a thin these, midfield. Yeah. And uh, in, in my back line, I brought in Kyle Walker, and that's what I was really debating going into the transfer deadline. Like, in the last 30 minutes up to the transfer deadline, I thought, I'm spending too much money on Kyle Walker. This isn't going to work. It's very risky. I need more money somewhere else, or I need money in the bank for repairing going into game week two. And uh, the problem is really my money outlay in the midfield. I probably, like a lot of people, should have went in for two 4.5 midfielders. Now with Awobi and Frazier, Awobi is a bigger concern, obviously, because he didn't see a minute against Leicester. Ryan Frazier played the full 90, and um, yeah, Bournemouth have a, have a decent home matchup uh, next week to Watford, so right. I feel like it's worth sticking by him. Uh, but I can't take Awobi out and plug in a, and we're going to talk about 7 million midfielders coming up, I can't plug in somebody like William. Or, or, or the like. So there's right. a little bit of work to do there. Yeah, you're burning four in, in game week. Yeah, I see what you're saying because it's actually, even if you, br- I mean, I guess you could drop Walker for like Hagazi or something and free up two million, but that seems like, that seems like you're like robbing Peter to pay. I don't know. It feels like you're not like, that doesn't actually like a net benefit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Walker is still a very scary player to own because you don't know what's going to happen with that Manchester City side week to week. But having watched the entire City-Brighton game, Walker looked fabulous. He looked fantastic. He was getting really far forward, and uh, he looked very confident. I can see a lot of points coming from him, assuming 
uh, he retains that position for the full 90 week in, week out. And at this point, we have no reason to think he won't. So I'm sticking with Walker, and I think, I think well, Zaha will be the first to go. Uh, he's the one on the bubble. Zaha um, over, over Awobi, because you can put Awobi on the bench or something, or... Yeah, the rotation of and like everybody else, I have Tom Carroll. So there's some rotation there. Carroll uh, against Manchester United next week is not tantalizing in the slightest bit. And uh, Zaha, there is this talk of him being possibly injured on his knee. There was something mm. I don't know if it was Instagram or his, his Twitter feed, but uh, he had a, a knee brace on and he said something like, um, "God will take care of me." Interesting. Slightly, slightly concerning. So we have to keep an eye on that. <laughs> when you're talking about God, like, seeing you through something, that, that is usually not a good sign. I will say, if if I were to offer some unsolicited advice, I mean, it does seem like I would – I mean, I, I feel like if Zaha does play, he could really do some damage to that Liverpool back line in game week two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I do agree. Chorus. Yep. Where I am right now, I'm really overextended in my defense. Like, you have got De Gea, also have Bertrand, and then I had Nathan Ake. Nathan Ake still managed to pick up a bonus point, so uh, he was predictably great in the jaws of defeat. Almost scored so, at the end. Yeah, so I'm happy to, I'm basically happy to stay over-invested in my defense right now. And if I can, if it looks like Zaha is going to um, play over the weekend, then I think I might sit on a transfer and yeah. wait to do some surgery with two frees going into game week three. Yeah, yeah, I think that all that all makes sense. All right, so that's a lot for for us to think about. Hope I probably I bet there's a lot of managers who are listening who who have the sim, who have similar issues. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about about some of the problems, like some of the some of the ways to solve these midfield problems um, in the next segment. Uh, but before we get there, I want to talk about the Hail Cheaters Super League. Uh, I'm not going to be listing my name here because I did I did not make the the coveted top ten. I, I may never make it in all the in all, <laughs> in all the many decades of podcasting that we plan to do, Brandon. In Fifty there's years, no, yeah. There's no extended list to make a <laughs> New York Times book review. Sure. I know, I know, I, exactly. Uh, but uh, let's 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 run through this really quick. Um, number one, actually, let's do, let's do a count up. Brandon, instead of a yeah, that's down. always more dra- more dramatic. It is more dramatic. Uh, all right, uh, we can maybe I'll do, I'll do uh, ten through six, and then you can do the top five. All right. Okay, there are a couple of ties there, so you can read two people at number six. Yeah, exactly. Number ten, it's a tie. Uh, Kevin Setahats, uh, Cyrus FC. By the way, everyone who's new to the podcast, I can't pronounce anyone's name, whether they play <laughs> in the Premier League or they're part of our league. Uh, <laughs> tied number number ten is uh, Mishu at Deheba. Uh, Richard Fox is tied there. I feel like that's a pun, but I, I mean, I get the Mishu Michu, but I don't get the Deheba. Uh, yeah, I don't get it either. Uh, Steve Ramsey's Diamond Dogs and Axel Bergstrom's The Rosie 16 are tied for eighth. Uh, Max Huey and um, his PepsiCo and Kyle Powers' uh, Dice FC are tied for six. Nice to see a, a, a Pepsi, not Coke reference in the top ten of the Super League. That's, that's, that's good to see. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we, we have a three-way tie for third place. Matthew Missette, Dale Robinson's Class on the Grass, or Class on the Grass. I like that Missette's uh, team is just Missette. Yeah. Well, yeah. I should call my team no Brandon. <laughs> and also tied for third, Ross Lagawood. Ross Lagawood, yeah. his uh, squad candy bag of tutor. He is a mainstay of the Hail Cheaters. It's the, last, the last the last of the Lagawoods. <laughs> Second place on his own, Oyston Nashdad Skazdin, Loft Ass Cheek. Uh, I do like that team name as, as sort of um, 
Let's hear kind of humor. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit graphic, but I like, I like that kind of humor. <laughs> and at first place for game week one, the Help Cheaters Super League, it's Jimmy Yuda, his squad here for beer, scoring an epic 113 points on the game week. Well done, Jimmy. And a reminder to everyone listening, if you haven't done already, join the Always Cheating Super League. You can do so by finding the league code at all our social media channels or go to alwayscheating.com and click the league tab. Brandon, we have a rant of the week. Uh, it seemed fitting to uh, to start this rant with one of uh, the longest uh, listeners and question askers on the podcast. Now, remember, Dave from Burnley is on a is on a hiatus right now because we answered like we accidentally answered like four of his questions last week. We just kept answering questions from him. Yeah, he uh, had a hat trick. I didn't realize he he had like I just I wasn't making the connection to Dave on Facebook and the Dave on Twitter who was asking me questions. So we just kept reading Dave questions. Um, it was it was insane. Uh, I'll uh, make the second multiplicity <laughs> joke that we've made in, in this series run of always. Well, Jam. it was just funny because we now like you know the podcast has been going for a couple of years. We got a solid number of listeners, and we we often have something like ten or fifteen questions that we just can't get to for each podcast episode. Uh, and so for me to spend like half the episode just answering one person's questions was was kind of funny. Uh, anyway, rant of the week uh, comes from uh, Uppercut Panda, who says. Kane, why do that to me, Harry? <laughs> that was rough. Uh, what can you say about Harry Kane? Uh, was it predictable that he's not going to score again in August? Uh, I do. I do kind of love the fact we both had Harry Kane and were slightly burned by this, or we were dramatically burned by it. But um, I'm fine with all the other managers staying away from Harry Kane. Let us have his points, which are which are surely coming in the next yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, you know, hit the sidebar, um, you know, right at the end of the game, should have scored. Um, yeah, when he got that, uh, it was a pass. I can't remember who put him through, or if it was some sort of deflection or whatever. But he was just clear through. Yeah, I think it was and Son. Rob Elliott uh, just came out, made himself huge, and blocked Harry Kane's shot. Oh, that so was, was earlier. Blocked. That was earlier yeah, in the that game. Was in but the first half. Yeah, in the second half, he also had a he had a great chance, and he actually you know went, went yeah, right off the, the uh, right off the post. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, so I mean you know he got you know so he only ended up on one point, uh, which is kind of funny. I mean it's funny too because of course like like everybody you know when you um, when you're watching these games because you know we've all had so long to tinker with our teams. It's like you've had every combination of players. Like every basically everyone who scored this weekend was on my team at one time or another, <laughs> but there was an iteration of my team at one point where I had uh, Sergio Aguero instead of Kane, and then I had uh, Allie and Erickson as my midfield, like my sort of my, my Spurs coverage was in the midfield. Uh-huh. Uh, and so of course, like you know, when he doesn't, when he blanks, and the other two guys score or pick up points, I was like, ah, like you know, sure, we all, we all feel that way. The old hindsight, sure, uh, thing sure. that sticks in your craw. We have a more philosophical question about Harry Kane that comes from Adam, who asks, is it wrong to get more pleasure from not owning Kane and him blanking than cap- captaining Lukaku? So this is a bit of a schadenfreude argument. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think both of us tend to think the same way here, where we're very much laser-focused on our own teams, though we were thinking about the competition and ownership levels and all that, I definitely get more pleasure from my captain scoring a brace than the competition not scoring. Yeah, I think that I agree with you. I guess, it, yeah, in game week one, for sure. You know, later on in the season, maybe, especially if I'm trying to play catch up or something, I, I guess I would feel differently. I mean, he was he was captain by almost, I think it was like 23% of managers. So, you know, him getting a one-pointer was not the worst thing in some ways if you if you didn't, you know, captain him. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't feel a lot of pleasure in him not scoring. I was kind of annoyed, actually. Um, and if I didn't have him, 
Like, like Aguero scored on Saturday, but that didn't really phase me. I didn't really, like, spend any energy feeling bad about it. Yeah, this was another discussion that came up online while uh, Lukaku scored his first goal. We said on our uh, Twitter feed it was truly perhaps the first heart-pumping FPL moment of the season because so many people had Lukaku and he was captain. And then there was some discussion back and forth of, well, is it really heart-pumping if if these points are actually going to 50% of the FPL league? And going back to what you were saying, Josh, because it is game week one, I think everything's a little more sort of neighborly. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, that was, I mean, the thing was, you know, he was only captain by 27.8% of managers, you know, so, yeah. I mean, if you were, if you were, you know, one of the 73% of managers who didn't captain him, then it was pretty scary, you know? I yeah. mean, especially, you know, he scored that brace, he really probably should have had three goals in the game. Uh, it was, um, I was, I was very satisfied. Um, well, let me let me put yeah. it this way. You put, you spend $11.5 on one of the st- stars if not the marquee player of your fpl squad even if he's owned by 50 percent of the league he's got to score for your team to be functioning you better be pumped when he right, scores right. So. I, in general i probably do get more pleasure from players farther down my team doing well i mean you know i mean the first heart sub moment of the week for me was for sure with hagazi scoring on saturday i mean yeah. you know i wasn't <laughs> watching that west Brom match in real time but just you know, to like to have this kind of punt on a, on a West Brom player who was it was kind of a risky player to bring in to begin with. Uh, for him to score, I mean, you know, you, you, everyone who's listening knows that feeling well. If you played, you know, fantasy Premier League for a couple of years, I mean, uh, or longer, you know, it's you, you just that feeling of like I took a risk and for once it didn't blow up in my face because <laughs> you know four to five times it does blow up, you know, and so that it one didn't time all Alex <laughs> will be on you exactly. So, um, so that you know when you take the risk on uh, what we you know a differential as they say, um, it's uh, it's always a little more satisfying. But yeah, I mean, getting twenty six points from Okaka was uh, was uh, pretty awesome. Okay, Josh, I think this is a good moment for us to take a break. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about key questions for game week two. Excellent. Same old podcast, always shaming. All right, we're back. And before we move on to the next section, Josh, let's take a minute to talk about starting 11. Now, for those of you who listened to our last bonus podcast, we chatted with Thomas Braun, who is the co-founder of Starting 11, this amazing new daily fantasy app, which is available for you to download for both your iPhone and your Google phone, any Android phone. And we learned from Thomas all about Starting 11. It's this great new game, which you play uh, daily, right? It's, it's not like yeah. a season. As long as there's thing. more than one match you can play. Yeah. Uh, and there's no budget involved. And the cool thing about Starting 11 is you have three in-game substitutions that you can make live while you're using the Starting 11 app. So if we're watching Manchester City and Gab Jesus uh, comes out, which I'll talk about a little bit when I talk about my Starting 11 challenge, um, you can make a real-time substitution and bring in Bernardo Silva and pick up any points that he accrues. So it's just a really uh, cool new way to play the fantasy game, and it's a way to participate like a real manager would in an in-game environment. So, um, Josh, where can people go to download the app? Yep, you can uh, download the app just from the, your normal uh, iOS uh, app store or uh, the Android store. Uh, if you want to learn more about the app or just get a link that'll take you directly to download the app, uh, visit starting11, that's the numbers 11, 11, uh, dot .io. Um, and uh, yeah, definitely listen to last week's bonus pod too, just to, just to hear more about, um, about how the app actually works. 
And the cool thing we're doing with Starting Eleven is we have the opportunity for you, the listener, to challenge me or Josh to a Starting Eleven matchup uh, each game week um, or each day in which there are matches to play. In order to do that, you need our personal email addresses that are connected to our personal Starting Eleven accounts. So just hit us up with a DM on Twitter, Facebook, or send us an email to hailcheaters at gmail.com and challenge us to Starting Eleven. Yeah, uh, we both Josh, have some challenges. Yeah, so how did your challenge go this weekend? Well, I played. I, I actually played on Saturday and on Sunday. Sunday went way better than Saturday. Um, although there's no excuse for me losing to uh, Andrew Pop. He 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 deserved it. He played better than me. <laughs> Fair He's show, a better man. Andrew. I I, I went uh, I went Sandro over Rooney, and that was definitely a mistake. Yeah, uh, I lost at the death to Stephen Toomey. He beat me by a mere 2.4 points. And I thought we our points were sort of, you can see on the Starting Eleven app where you are in real time with your points compared to your opponent. And we were going back and forth, uh, sec- first and second place. And at the end of Man City, when Jesus came off, he was in my squad. I brought in Bernardo Silva, and I thought that was going to take me over the edge. But uh, Stephen, you just edged me. Uh, coming up <laughs> game week two, Luke Arnold is challenging me. I am willing to take on uh, like 10, 15, 50 challenges. Uh, so <laughs> Let's so do again, it. hit us exactly. up. Yeah, and Paul, I played Paul Ruki on Saturday there on Sunday today. Uh, that worked out a lot better. I um, I was able to sub in uh, Martial before he picked up a goal and an assist, and I actually subbed in uh, Pogba before he scored too. So uh, I, I had something like two hundred and thirty one points at the end of uh, Sunday, and uh, so I did beat Paul Ruki. But Paul, I'm willing to play a rematch. So um, yep, you can find find out more at startingeleven.io. Yeah, to, to challenge us, you have to set up your account first, so make sure you do that. All right, we, uh, we've got some Patreon thank yous this week, right, Josh? That's right, that's right. So it's the thank you corner. Uh, all right, I'm going to run through these very quickly, but thank you so much to everyone who pledges every single week. It's, uh, well, they only pledge once a month, but everyone who pledges uh, every week will thank you. Uh, but here are the new pledges. Um, uh, Eric Nguyen, thank you. Owen, Chris Alissiman, uh, Hugh Patrick Campbell, David Kelleher, Roland Cook, Stephen Toomey, Jordan Ray, Jared Black, Tor Smebby, Eric Medbo, Andy Penn, Justin Stout, Ramon Diaz, Jordan Elmer, and Brian Moss. Thank you all so much. And uh, if if you have pledged and I've never you know never said your name in the podcast, uh, let us know, and I'll make sure to um, I'll put it right before like the opening credits of the song, right? Like yeah. it'll, I'll, I will thank someone, and then we'll start the podcast. <laughs> we'll put we'll put your name in the song. Yeah, exactly. All right, and thank you so much, everybody. Brendan, let's get back to uh, key questions for game week two. Okay, key questions for game week two. We have many, and we also have some from our listeners. So knee jerks, that is what is happening right now. I am all over FPL statistics right now, seeing prices are going up, going down, who's bringing in uh, new players. I was shocked to see on the FPL homepage earlier today that Jaka is currently the most transferred in player with more than 130,000 transfers. I know, exactly. All right, so let's, yeah, so Gavin, Vinny, and uh, Fans, Bants, and Rants all all asked us uh, questions about uh, early price drops and, and bandwagon and uh, you know whether it's worth chasing value, and so let's talk about a couple of the of the players that are really climbing up the ranks right now. Okay, Brandon, sure, does that sound good? It. Is that okay? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, okay, wonderful. All right, so yeah, uh, I think the first one uh, that we have to talk about is is Mounier, who is uh, a striker for Huddersfield Town, uh, joined um, from the French league in the off season, uh, and uh, started with uh, with a plum. I think you could say, yeah, I, I a can, brace. I, I can say that, and I did. I am a total believer in Mounier. I guess you, the only hesitation I have there is 
Huddersfield has not been um, picked to finish very high up the table. And this, it, I think we still don't have enough intel to know how fluky this result was. Not to take anything yeah. away from the wonderful Huddersfield town, uh, but, but yeah, the, be prepared for a few blanks in Mounier's future. Still, three home, three home matches in the next four. They play Newcastle, uh, Southampton, West Ham, and Leicester. And then they play away to Burnley in game week six. I mean, you could bring him in and play him every game week for the next five weeks. Yeah, I think if I had somebody other than Firmino as yep. my third striker, exactly. I would definitely be considering Mounier because we're looking to free up funds to bring in, say, uh, say a Liverpool midfielder or right. a, a Tottenham midfielder. So definitely a viable, viable candidate. If if I had uh, Gabby Adini or if I had um, even like Chicharito, I mean, I, I know these are players that have good fixtures in the next few game weeks. So it's it's tempting to hold. And I think I think it's I think it's fine if you hold with those players, um, although maybe not Gabby Adini because uh, I don't feel good about that. I, <laughs> I, it doesn't just feel like he might not even start in game week two. I could, yeah, I could, I could see uh, Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin there. being fit again does uh, does worry me, and, and that's another point in favor of Mounier. And that is that you know that he's locked into that yeah. starting eleven. If you had done Rooney as a game week one punt, I think Mounier is a great way to a great move. It frees up one point five million. Uh, what about Volks versus Mounier? Is there any any interest in Volks? And that's another bandwagon. I mean. What more can you say about Sam Vokes? I I wouldn't I wouldn't discount Vokes. He looked yeah. really good. Uh, he he took his chances well. Fixers are a little worse. Yeah, uh, Jack. Uh, the commentators are making a lot of Jack Cork. He kind of had this moment in the game in which he was on fire. He was delivering delivering amazing service into the box, like perfect service that a player of Vokes's um, ilk, like big man in the box, can feed off of. So it could be that he's got, you know, you know, two or three goals in him in a month, uh, which, you know, more regular than he was last season. I can just see someone who's debating between Vokes and Mounier thinking, all right, I know Vokes. I, I rely on him. I mean, all of our I mean, we love Vokes, right? We're, we're, we're the, the champions of the Volkswagen fan club. And they might think, well, and he also plays West Brom at home and gave me two. It's a pretty good fixture. Um, but I just think if you're looking at the next four or five weeks, I think I'd rather have Mounier over Vokes. Yeah. Uh, one other point in Vokes' favor is that he's on pens. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it remains to be seen what happens with if Jonathan Walters is on the pitch. I assume Vokes would take that penalty because he's more sort of longstanding with the club and probably uh, will have to lose them as opposed to give them up to Walters. All right. So we have we have more individual teams to talk about here. But just while we're while we're, you know, talking about some bandwagons, I mean, Jaka, does, does Jaka interest you at all? My big takeaway from that Arsenal match is Arsenal is a complete basket case. I mean, granted, it was quite heroic that they were able to mount that comeback and end up scoring four goals against uh, Leicester that looked fairly decent uh, at, in portions of that match. Uh, but Xhaka made so many mistakes that led to those goals that saw Arsenal go behind. I was not impressed by him at all. Uh, no, I wasn't impressed by him either. I mean, that guy is capable of some screamers, but I, I don't think that he is a super impressive. Uh, I mean, we, we can talk about uh, Kolasniak, who was the big standout in that match. He's not yeah. a midfielder, but um, 
if you're looking to bring in an Arsenal defender, it looks like he's got a lot of attacking points in him this season. Yeah, and I think we should talk about the midfielders in a moment, especially that sub-7 million bracket. But just while we're talking about other bandwagons, uh, there are a couple questions about um, about Hagazi in particular, um, who we talked about yeah. at the start of the podcast. So the, the problem with Hagazi is... You know, it gets increasingly more difficult to justify bringing him in. I mean, it's if you had him for game week one, it's great. It's like it's like winning the lottery. Yeah, fifteen points from a from a four point five million player. There is going to be some rotation risk every week that goes by. You know, it's actually it's kind of like Ben Davies. You know, Ben Davies uh, picked up fourteen points this game week, but you know, every week that goes by, Ben Davies is at risk of starting. Um, you know, because Danny Rose who's is coming in for Ben Davies. Well, Danny Rose is coming back at the first international break. Yeah, um, there is. Yeah, there is talk of a, mo- a possible move for Danny Rose. Yeah, though, so. I, I think that's just talk, though. I mean, there's talk about Man United doing some kind of Luke Shaw swap for Rose. I, I, I mean, as I, first of all, Danny Rose is a great player, and Tottenham would be it insane. It would be insane for, for them to lose both Walker and Rose yeah. in the offseason. Danny Rose is too good of a player, and everyone stood by him after those comments, too. And he wasn't totally wrong anyway, although I thought he was, like, slightly, like— I need to know the names of these players. I don't have to Google them. Like, that was kind of shitty, because, like— there are people who yeah. like who like you know are just like playing in Africa or France or whatever who are good players too. Like just because you never heard of them doesn't mean that they. Uh, I mean, like like I saw this talk about like Ross Barkley. Like, oh yeah, they should bring in Ross Barkley because like we all know who he is. Like Ross Barkley sucks. I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Ross Barkley is not a good player. Spurs will not be better served if they have Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley will not have will help them win the league this year. So I'm not saying that I know who they need, but I don't think it's Ross Barkley. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so yeah, I, I see your point about rotation, and, and if Rose sticks around and becomes healthy, it's definitely a risk for Ben Davies. Hey, Brandon, I have a name for you. Okay, a, a name <laughs> that I would be considering if I was looking at bringing in a defender. He also picked up ten points this game week. That name is Zanka Huddersfield. Zanka on Huddersfield. <laughs> Four. So that's that's like a fancy drink. version of a, of a decaf instant coffee. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, it's is, like an energy drink meets Zanka. Matthias Jorgensen, a.k.a. Zanka, uh, picked up a, uh, a a clean sheet, an assist, and a bonus point, and uh, has three home fixtures in the next four. Uh, he uh, was kind of the one player that a lot of people talked about. As, like, if you're going to pick up one Huddersfield defender, he was the one to pick up. Uh, yeah. So I think um, I, I think Zanka is a player I would look at. I mean, you know, Crystal Palace was definitely out of sorts, and I, I read a little bit afterwards about their formation, and they were kind of tinkering with things a little bit. And, um I mean, they were like they were initially they were playing um, uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek like out wide, and then they shifted things around a little bit, and they they brought in um, uh, what's his name, Andrews Townsend, and uh, they played a little better. I thought I actually thought Ruben Loftus Cheek looked pretty good in general, although you know yeah, that's the him. consensus. Yeah, and he won a lot of he won a lot of free kicks. That was kind of all he did, but it was he looked good doing that. <laughs> uh, he, had, he had like one really good pass too that people were excited about. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I think um, I think Zenka is if I I would probably take Zenka even over Hagazi. And I know that the fifteen points are seeing yeah. those fifteen points from Hagazi are tempting, but I do think that um, there's some rotation risk coming up. Yeah, and I I do think playing the market early on, taking guys that we know are nailed on, right. Um, Though I guess you could argue it the other way, and that we're probably all going to be playing a wild card in, in the next month. <laughs> so maybe the short term picks yeah. that that makes Hazagi a little more a little more appealing. 
Yeah, I mean, my whole defense is like a house of cards. Like as long as everything works out, it's fine. But I've got a four million guy who doesn't play in there, and and Long on on Burnley. I've got I've got Danilo. I mean, there, there, it is like entirely possible I could have only two players start in a, <laughs> a game week. So I'm going to have to move things around for a while. But I it, I think it does make sense to bring in um, to bring in cheaper players for a while and try to play that price game a little bit. You know, yeah. pick up point four or something like that. The knee-jerk I was feeling watching that Arsenal-Lester game was Harry Maguire, who looked um, he looked fantastic. He looked dominant. Uh, he was ruthless on set pieces. Uh, he got that great assist to Okazaki. I can see him being a great player. And yeah. if Lester is determined as they looked in the first half of that Arsenal match, I can I I would guess that they're going to be flat track bullies against the weaker sides. Yeah. Kind of remains to be seen how they'll fare against the higher clubs. But I, I do like he, Harry Maguire's yeah. early pickup. I wish he was a little cheaper, you know, because you, you can get Danny Simpson for 4.5. He's pretty nailed on, uh, despite the fact that he looked pretty terrible in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris, Christian Fuchs also costs the same as Maguire, and I think I'd probably rather personally have Fuchs over Maguire, although mm-hmm. I guess it kind of depends on how many set pieces they're winning and stuff. But, um, could yeah, be a but, wash there, I think. Yeah, it's funny how that Leicester-Arsenal game feels like it was like two weeks ago or something. Leicester have a really good run of fixtures coming up, kind of starting in game week five. Um, but they play Man United and Chelsea back-to-back in game weeks three and four, so I'd probably hold off at any Leicester players. All right, we, we touched upon this earlier, Josh, seven million and below midfielders. So like me, this is where I really had to do all of my um, repairing going into game week two, or maybe like holding off and going into game week three. So there are a lot of options that have now come to the fore after we've seen a whole round of fixtures in that 7 million and less bracket. Uh, So let's start things off. Who do you want to talk about first? Yeah, and there was a question from Tappan about the, uh, you know, a lot of people are are debating this right now because um, a lot of people had Fabregas as one of their midfielders. So... um, all right, so who's worth the risk? Well, there's there's a bunch of interesting players here, um, and he, you know they asked about Ramsey, who I don't think I would, I don't think Ramsey is worth the risk because um, again, I just don't know that he's going to start. And you know, if you don't think they're going to start, the odds are every other game week you might get a one pointer from them. You know, and I just who wants like I'd rather have a more reliable starter on a worse team. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so and here, as I as I said with Arsenal too to begin with, I just they just looked. They looked lethal at points, but still kind of a basket case. I'm not ready to invest there. All right. I have two names for you. One, um, I'm actually considering both of them this game week, uh, if, uh-huh. I, if I decide to fully place Ward Prowse. Although I think I might hold Ward and, and, and try to save my transfer. Um, so, all right. The first one is uh, is Chris Brunt. And, you know, no one really talked about Chris Brunt in the lead up uh, because he was, you know, he was reclassified as from a defender to a midfielder, which is kind of funny, actually, because he was actually... Uh, he was a midfielder in the game a long time ago and then got reclassified as a defender. So now he's he's back in the midfield role. Um, you remember that? Like the very first season we played, I remember I actually had Brunt in my, my very first uh, fantasy team. You must have some kind of photographic memory. I'd, the history of Brunt doesn't really <laughs> stick with me. Well, yeah, maybe it's just because I had him on my team. Uh, but Brunt, so, as we all know, uh, typically what happens is a – you know, a defender gets moved from the from defense into midfield, but it's typically a defensive midfield role, uh, and it's kind of like the kiss. It's like the Eric Dyer syndrome, right? It's like mm-hmm. once you get once you get reclassified as a midfielder, then you just don't score enough to justify your value. You're getting no points. Exactly. You're just you're just accruing yellow cards. But but West Brom is not a normal team. 
the West Brom scores like almost exclusively on set pieces, right? Yeah. I mean, not exclusively, yeah. obviously. I'm, I'm exaggerating, but they score yeah. a ton of goals from set pieces. And I thought Jay Rodriguez looked a little better than I had predicted in that match. So, uh, not, yeah. I know we're talking about midfielders here, but just FYI, I know I, I don't. I just I just don't rate him in general. Um, yeah, but I, I do agree. I actually I know he, he, did he read all the was it the was it the post? I think he hit the post at one yeah. point. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but I, so I think, you know, Brunt is on a ton of free kicks. I think he's on corners sometimes as well. Um, he was just really involved. You I know, mean, he picked up an assist, but he was just really involved in the play in general. I actually think he, he I think he almost scored later on in the match, too. So, um, you know, he's only 5.5 million. I mean, for a fourth or, you know, for, I don't know, third or fourth midfield option, I think he's not, he's not terrible. Um, but that's not the player I'm looking at. The player I'm looking at is uh, Aaron Moy, who I wish mm-hmm. that I had just brought in from the start. He's, he's an interesting guy. He was uh, he's not he comes from the Australian League. Um, he was actually signed by Manchester City, uh, loaned out to Huddersfield, and then Huddersfield actually bought him for Manchester City in, in the offseason. So he's kind of the he's a little bit like Anthony Knockert, uh, who we've talked a little bit more about on the podcast. Um, you know, just a player who's really involved in the attack for Huddersfield. And do you think David Wagner is going to be like coaching? Uh, he's on the Klopp track, right? He's going to be coaching like a huge club within like two or three years. There's a nonchalance to him that does make you feel like he like he belongs. Just his, yeah, his his presence altogether makes it feel like he's going places. So Aaron Moy, and I don't think it's those glasses alone. <laughs> no, but he's. I, I actually listened to an interview with him last week too, and I thought it was. Uh, he sounded sound pretty intelligent. Uh, so Aaron Moy, five point five million. As we mentioned earlier, great run of fixtures coming up for Huddersfield. Uh, I if I was looking to free up funds, like if I wanted to get rid of um, Zaha, as you are, I think Aaron Moy yeah. is would be number one on my list. Yeah, I do love that he's on some set pieces. He's kind of like just a, a uber diet version of somebody like Christian Eriksen. Um, William is fallen off of a lot of people's radar. Chelsea did not convince at all against Burnley. I'm kind of scratching him off of this list of characters who are seven million and below. Yeah. The other options, uh, Juan Mata, nobody really talked about him, and there was no assumption that he would even start against uh, against West Ham. But he's at $7 million, lest we forget, and if he's playing an integral role in what looks like is going to be, at times, a very attacking Manchester United, he's at least worth talking about. I mean, yeah. Any, I mean, the rotation has got to really worry you there. Yeah, I think that, yeah, rotation is the big worry. I think I'd rather pay the extra million for the security of... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Paul Pogba, uh, but you know, Mikatarian I thought looked great too. I think that he's going to be a real. I mean, lest we forget, Mikatarian put up insane numbers uh, his final season at uh, Dortmund before. Yeah, sure, fifteen uh, assists. Yeah, it was like seventeen goals and fifteen assists, or something like that. Um, yeah. So he, um, you know, and it sounds like he's finally out of the Mourinho doghouse. I don't know how did he get into the doghouse. He always looked good when he played. You know, it was just <laughs> it's weird. I don't know if there's some sort of finishing school. It seems like this is happening to Victor Lindelof now, too. You just yeah. have to sort of go toil in the Mourinho mines for a season and then... But, Paul, um, but, but Pogba's played like 90 minutes for a game. Maybe he's just, maybe he's just so good that that's like how it is. Uh, it's sure. amazing, by the way, that we barely... Not that, not that I want to talk about him right now, but just as a side note, we've barely talked about Lukaku so far. And, uh, I mean, God, what a great fit, right, for Manu? <sighs> yeah, Jesus. He looked... He looked 
He looked good. I mean, I could do without Lukaku like every play pointing to his feet or I waving his hand. Say, his, he's he, really lame. His aggression is like it's it's a great trait and it definitely serves him well. But like there are times when he's in the box and he's marked by three players. Right, there are players <laughs> on every side of him and he is yeah. screaming for the ball. He's like I'm open. I'm open. <laughs> Um, any other options stand out for you? I, I, you know, Pascal Gross I have on here too, and I, I don't think you could draw too much of a conclusion right now because um, uh, because they're playing Man City. Uh, the concern, though, really is that um, you know, and someone brought this up on Twitter, but who's who's scoring on that team? It's it's great to have all these creators, but who's actually <laughs> who's going to put the ball in the net? It can't. I mean, Glenn Murray is not a very good player either. I mean, no, I, no. I, though, I hate to, like I hate to disparage all these English players today. Yeah, I, I'm disparaging uh, Murray and. Uh, rose a little bit, and um, uh, I thought yeah. I thought Brighton looked uh, really organized. They look like they'll be a Burnley esque solid team, and I would consider looking at some of their defenders. But I agree, uh, attacking not so much. Uh, going back to Huddersfield, Aaron Moy, I am curious to see where Tom Ince finishes FPL points wise with Moy because Ince still has. Uh, we believe he's on penalties over Moy. I am not. I can't say that with certainty. Right. But his attacking threat may be a little more direct. Right. So uh, he may be scoring a few more goals. If he had an extra point five into six million, I I would be tempted there. All yeah. Brighton is a guy who looked fantastic against Arsenal, putting in some really uh, delicious crosses. Uh, yeah. All Brighton is. Been a problematic figure in the FPL verse for a couple of seasons. I mean, he's been he's kind of good off and on, and he never really seems to deliver when you need him to. Right. It finds his, it seems to like be on the outskirts of the rotation from time to time. I think he's a little older too, right? Isn't he? Is he in his thirties? I, I don't know. Forties even. Forties. Uh, yeah, Emery Chan is the last name on here. I just I think is you know with with as long as Coutinho is out and. Um, and Luana is out. I think that he will have some chances. Um, he's only five million, so he's he's a really cheap option. You know, he definitely frees up some funds if if, if necessary. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's he's a starter. He's a, you know he's a pretty clear starter in that squad. But he does move. He does play a little further back um, at times. So um, yeah. yeah, just something to think about. All this uncertainty around Zaha is really making me sick. If I lose value on him because um, people start dropping him, right, and uh, and we don't know if he's injured or not, God, that's just going to be really frustrating. So yeah. anyone out there who owns Zaha like me, I'm feeling your pain. He did look good at times in the match. I don't know how much of the game he saw. I mean, he didn't. It, he did not look terrible. Uh, but he just does. It's all the Zaha stuff. It's all nothing changes. He's the same player he always <laughs> was, right? He can't score, and all he does is fall down just constantly. Just he runs runs into the box and looks for the nearest sprinkler head to trip over. Exactly, and um, yeah, I mean, I guess there's some concern. I think uh, maybe uh, Luke Funberg brought this up, but you know, there's he does seem like the the prime candidate for the first uh, the first two match retroactive ban for diving. I will say, I do think the Gareth Bale rule should be in effect for Zaha, which is basically a very super mm-hmm. fast, super athletic player. Like you're just going to run into people more, and you are going to fly in the air because you're going so quickly and. Every time You're also trying to not get your legs taken out yeah, in like exactly. a, a, a leg breaking challenge. Yeah, so you're you're jumping out yeah. of the way, and in slow motion it can look really bad sometimes. But you know, I mean, sometimes they really are just trying to save their bodies and not like yeah. get the penalty. Right. So, all right, so we just talked about how we hadn't been talking about Lukaku. Let's jump into a little Man United section here, Josh. We have a question from uh, two questions: uh, one from Daniel and one from Martin Ur. 
Uh, Daniel wants to know if we're considering Paul Pogba. Uh, Josh, your your uh, feelings on Pogba's shooting ability have they changed? Uh, yeah, he took a good shot. He looked pretty good in general. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> he. It was really interesting to see. Yeah, and and what happened to them when the game really loosened up in the garbage time, like when at, when it passed clock past the 80th minute. Uh, there was a lot of space opening up, and Pogba was just sort of prowling around up near where Lukaku was, whereas he was a little more deeper lying to start the game when they were just trying to lock down the result. I mean, so I like I like Pogba knowing that he's going to play ninety minutes all the time, and games will free up later on, and he's going to be taking a lot of those shots in garbage time. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like it's you know you could take two million from. Kevin De Bruyne and turn him into Paul Pogba, and if he keeps playing this way, then or, or Mkhitaryan for that matter. I mean, those eight that eight million bracket's kind of interesting for for Manu right now, and I, I guess I still don't feel one hundred percent positive that Mkhitaryan's going to play every game week, especially when that yeah, that's, that's the million dollar question is yeah. Pog if people who are looking to make this switch this week is it Pogba or is it Mkhitaryan? And I, I think we agree, right that. Pogba may be the slightly better option just for a shorty of minutes. And right. now with the kind of the, the marker that he's laid down in terms of attacking returns. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in terms of, you know, like ceiling, I think that Mkhitaryan is a higher ceiling in any particular game week. But yeah, I agree. I think that, I mean, what I still really, I, I'd still rather have basically any of the Liverpool midfielders. Um, well, that is, I'd rather have Mane or, um, or, uh, uh, Salah, and I'd rather have Ali or Erickson. So I, I would still put him and Mkhitaryan, you know, like fifth and sixth on the list of, and I'm I mean, in, in De Bruyne too. I'm not, I'm not dropping De Bruyne, but um, I'm not like super enthused about spending 10 million on him at the moment. You know, maybe I'm, maybe it's just too knee jerk. Yeah, I'm certainly going to give him some more time, but it's a lot of money. Yeah, he he gets a pass just because just because we spent so much money on him. It's <laughs> Seems yeah. it seems super knee jerky to give totally. up on him straight away. Yeah, so Martin yeah. Martin Newer wants to ask about Manchester United's defense and how best to cover United defense without De Gea. Now we actually take the uh, we have the opposite response that you're looking for, Martin, in that we both went for De Gea, right? For the security um, reason. I mean, I, I didn't yeah. want to spend that much on a keeper, but. Uh, I didn't want to spend six million on Eric Bailly, and I didn't want to spend six point five million on Valencia. I definitely didn't want to spend five million on uh, Phil Jones, uh, who no, just, why not? You know, uh, just I, well, first of all, I don't think he's going to start forever. I mean, Lindelof is their like big expensive center back sign. He's clearly going to win that spot at some point. Uh, Phil Jones, you know, can't stay healthy. He makes so many mistakes. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just you bring in Phil Jones and then every single week you're waiting for those clean sheets to, to come out and you got your fingers crossed, hoping yeah. this is the week he actually makes the lineup. And I hate having a player like that in my team. It's, I don't like the stress of it, you know? Yeah. I think I like Phil Jones more than you do. I think I think he's a better defender than you might be getting, yeah. giving him credit I, for. I, just, but I, but yeah. I agree. It, the the injury concerns in the minutes do do make me cautious, yeah. and I'm, we wouldn't recommend it. I had him for like an eight week stretch around the holiday fixtures last year, and I think I got like one clean sheet and yeah. a clean sheet and like one point four times from him or something, and three times he didn't start. You know, so yeah. uh, maybe I'm a little biased still. Fair enough. Uh, anything else we want to cover with Manchester United before we move on? We want to talk about Liverpool as well. Yeah, uh, Liverpool, uh, nope, I, th- I think let's go right into it, Brandon. Okay, so uh, I kind <laughs> like of feel like, like it's a big section. It's just a question. 
So I have in my notes that um, both Liverpool and Spurs were just like completely predictable in every single way, both in good <laughs> ways and bad ways, right? right. With Spurs, uh, a wingback got some attacking returns. Both Deli Ali and Eriksen looked fantastic, and Harry Kane is a slow starter. Right. Liverpool, on the other hand, incredibly predictable. Their defense looked completely shite, but their midfield uh, had so many attacking options. Mane and Salah and Firmino all score. So the big question is, what the heck do we do? You know, I don't know if the crossbars are like three feet higher in the Italian league or what. Uh, <laughs> most most Salah must have blasted like six like clear goal scoring opportunities like three feet over the bar. Uh, he looked he looked so good. I'm actually amazed that he only picked up you know one goal in the match because he looked so good. His determination to score that goal and. When uh, what's his face Firmino. Uh, Firmino tried his cheeky chip, his determination to chase that down and put it in was was fantastic. He looks. I so wonder good. if Lukaku yeah. makes that run. Yeah, int- yeah, that's interesting. Uh, he he might. I mean, Lukaku's he looked really aggressive as well. Um, I guess that time last season when Lukaku kind of did the same thing, but tried to steal the goal away from Tom Davies. So we both, yeah, exactly. What a jerk! I thought it was Bolasi <laughs> actually. Or maybe it was both of them. Um, so Liverpool, here's the here's the question: Is do you? There, I actually think Liverpool are slightly fixture proof. Um, their attackers are at least. I don't think there was any game where you couldn't expect them to score, especially when they're at home. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. So you know, so they have they play Crystal Palace at home in game week two. A Crystal Palace team that looked like one of the worst teams in the league, right? In game week one. Yeah, I know that's right. a knee jerk, but that's how they looked. Um, so they play at home in game week one. Both of us have for me now. It does make me. It gives me pause to not have any other Liverpool attackers because uh, I could. I could see them putting another three or four goals up, but I, I don't. But don't think you I feel will. at least? You must feel slightly safer now that we see Firmino is taking pens. Well, is he? I mean, as long as as long as Milner is not on the pitch, you know. I mean, Milner. Well, Milner didn't start. Uh, he was subbed down at the 70th minute or something like uh, that. You're, so. you're, you're too skeptical. So what we know is Milner probably won't start. And Firmino is definitely taking pens. I'm risk averse. I'm just saying, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> but there was there was one off one preseason match in which Milner was on the pitch and Firmino took a pen. Is so that true? This, yeah. That is a fact. Okay, okay. Because it was so, a game uh, Milner was on and got subbed, and then there was a penalty that Firmino took. Yes, yes, and and likewise, there was one where Milner was still on the pitch. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So this is what we know. I'm not. I'm not saying it's 100 percent certain that James Milner will never be able to uh, kick a ball at a goal ever again. But uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I. That is just like a little extra zing on a Roberto Firmino pick that uh, I, I just feel slightly safer. So like Mane and Salah play this game. This like kind of a, a more. Uh, quality version of Zaha's game where they just fly into the box and defenders have little choice but to take them out. So um, if we're looking at Mane and Salah doing that, there there's a greater surety that Firmino's going to reap goal rewards. Yeah, I, I don't even know how I'd bring in another Liverpool midfielder right now. I I guess I... You have to give up on City, right? You have to give up on De Bruyne. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't see you I, dropping Erickson at this point. And City's fixtures are so good that uh, I just don't think I can do that. So, I mean, you just can't have everybody, right? And I think I, I like my Lukaku, Firmino, Kane front line right now. 
I, I guess, I mean, if, if Kane keeps blanking, then maybe I look at dropping Kane for a cheaper player. Um, but let's, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll cross that bridge. I, I actually don't think that's going to happen. I don't mean to like totally give no. up on Kane, but, um, no, yeah. I mean, if there are two cliches about Kane, it's that he doesn't, well, it's a fact that he doesn't score in August, uh, but a cliche that he has a slow start. And it's also that he scores in every, against every London opponent. Right. So by, yeah. by this logic, Kane will probably come due against Chelsea next week. And it's a Chelsea team that's missing two starters. So, yeah, um, yeah it's going to be interesting. interesting. Uh, all right, Brendan, last question. Uh, Ru- uh, Rufial Solomon says, uh, put Faith and Gabby or trash him out? Trash him out. Yeah, I mean, there there are just one. so many options. We, we spent quite a bit of time talking about Mounier, and uh, there are well, a spare moment for Jamie Vardy. Yeah. He, looked, he looked pretty decent. Yeah. Pretty decent. Oh, hey, you know, one, you know, one, I was thinking about um, Chicharito here as someone you could swap him out for. Uh, one player who did look pretty good, actually, um, in that Man U game um, was uh, Arnautovic. Uh, I thought he looked uh, really attacking and, like, he was he was really going for it. So, um, yeah. I wish he was a little bit cheaper. He's $7 million, But, I mean, Brandon, if you were looking for a, uh, like, a, I, maybe it's too early for Ponce, but, I mean, you know, uh, Zaha to Arnautovic is not a bad move. They're away to Southampton, away to Newcastle, home to Huddersfield. Um, pretty good run of fixtures the next few game weeks. Yeah, it's that's a really good shout. I mean, he, uh, they all were um, miles beyond where Andre Ayew was. Uh, so I think the the attacking return is more likely to come from Arnautovic or Chicharito. But I do I like that shout. Yeah, and yeah, Gabby. I mean, Gabby Dini just I, I don't I really think he's going to lose a spot pretty soon to. Uh, to Charlie Austin, I, I, he, didn't the problem look, he didn't look horrible, but he—I don't know. I just—I wouldn't. The feel problem good about overall him. seems to be with the Southampton attack. I mean, I think the best advice that we could give is if you're thinking about Southampton, just bring in a defender and don't even worry about their attack. As good as their fixtures might be, surely there will be some goals scored. But um, I mean, they're not—they're not scoring against Swansea, which is a pretty light, light team at the moment, and yeah, yeah. and they had trouble scoring all. During the preseason, they're one of the lowest scoring teams in the league. Last season, it's a big worry. Yeah, it is a big worry. Brandon, let's take a quick break and then let's do a quick preview of game week two. Same old podcast, always cheating. Game week two. Brandon, have you thought about your transfers yet? And we talked about this a little bit earlier in the podcast. Yeah, sure. So not to not to just reiterate what my team is or or belabor it, but <laughs> I'm well, I've got a lot of money in the defense, and I've got a lot of money up front. Now, clearly, that's where I can move money around because I need to make transfers in my midfield, which is kind of like a big failure right now. However, like you were saying, the Lukaku-Kane-Firmino front line is looking really good, really strong. We see some many goals coming from these guys in the coming months, assuming Kane um, gets going soon. My defense... Bertrand Walker, okay, there's nothing there that says to me I need to move them. There's money that I can get from there, but I'm happy with all of them. So what is my move? Uh, it's got to be to get rid of Zaha. Um, Ryan Frazier, I think I give him one more week um, based on the fact that he, he played the full 90. Bournemouth is at home against Watford. It's a perfect opportunity for Bournemouth to bounce back. So I have I have a... I just want to give. I, I have You're faith. In full on crisis mode. Get, <laughs> no, I'm bad at game. I'm right now. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, let's and let's not gloss over the fact that uh, uh, I have Alex Wobie on my team. 
So Zaha and Awobi are the are the main targets. The question is going to come down to whether or not Zaha is fit. So I'm waiting at this point to hear uh, anything from the Crystal Palace camp. Yeah. If Zaha looks fit. The aim is to get a free transfer so I don't have to burn four or right. do some sort of long-term strategy. What about a game week right. two wild card? Hey, you know, it's always on the table. But um, <laughs> I, I think here's the strategy. So we can, we can talk about this, Josh. Um, if you're, it's game week two and you need to do a double transfer, do you, a, long, a long-term transfer strategy that involves bringing in a 4.5 midfielder it just feels like I'm opening myself up a little bit for um, – I just need points right now for my midfield. And if I yeah. chop Zaha out and bring in somebody – I mean, maybe Ruben Loftus-Cheek uh, at 4.5 to free up cash for then game week three. It just seems like too long of a yeah. stretch of time for me to really – Get get some juice yeah. in my midfield. You, you really see what I'm do, saying? It almost sounds like you need a wild card. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not even trying to be flip here or anything, but it's it's almost like because the way I had to do it was I actually had to bring in a four million defender because I just couldn't figure out how to find any money, you know, for for these play. Like I, it's a, it's like a really it's very tricky right now because there yeah. are so many Liverpool mids that you want, so many. I mean, to me, it actually might be cutting bait on De Bruyne ultimately, um, you know, because he's, he's he's so much more expensive. And if you think that you can get as many points from Salah as, as you would from De Bruyne and he's a million yeah. cheaper, then it's very hard not to not to go that route. Because, um, yeah. you know, a 10 million guy who's not going to be scoring a lot because Jesus and again, I don't I mean to like just totally like I'm not closing the door on KDB or anything, but um yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just, I mean, Salas looks like he's—he looks like he's ready to score every game week. So, I mean, it's really hard not to bring him in right now. Yeah, I mean, there are moves that I could make, say, but that would involve getting rid of <coughs> Firmino. Like I turn. Yeah. I, there's just so all the guys that allow me to do things I don't want to get rid of. So it's <laughs> it's a classic dilemma. But yeah, I, I made a huge yeah. mistake by picking up two 5.5 midfielders that were both kind of punty with Awobi and Frazier. Well, so, it's only, uh, only one week, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I, I don't think I'm going to make any earth-shattering changes here. Uh, what I about know. you? Yeah, I'm not sure yet. I mean, uh, Ward Prowse is the player. If, if I was just looking to maximize game week two points, um, I would I would probably swap Ward Prowse for Mui. Uh, it's tempting for me to hold um, another transfer because there's a concern that I might have replaced two defenders uh, before game week three if mm-hmm. um, if Danilo and Hagazi are both on the bench. I actually think, I mean, if Hagazi's scoring, he looked, you know, I, I wonder if he might just, if, I mean, McCauley was getting subbed a lot near the end of game week, near the end of last season anyway. Remember, he was he was getting pulled like the 50th minute sometimes. And I, yeah. I wonder if he's straight into that squad when he's healthy. I mean, I wonder if Agassi might just, you know, win that spot for now. Macaulay is like legitimate 38 years old. Yeah. Uh, he, I, I, I don't know if he gets back into that squad the rest of the season. I think Hagazi, if he looks great, if that defense looks short up, Pulis doesn't have any motivation of any kind to bring him out of the squad. Why? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, is he the captain? I can't remember. I thought he was maybe, but yeah, McCauley? that doesn't always matter anyway. I mean, Murdersacker was the captain; he got dropped. So, um, so yeah. So I think if I if I feel confident in Higazi and I can make the what I want to do is maybe Danilo to Trippier and excuse me Trippier uh, before game week three, possibly if Danilo gets dropped. 
Um, so I might just I might drop WordPress from MUI. That would that would maximize game week two points. I think I think I, I think of in that five point five million range, he's the one that I would want the most. Um, or I or I just save it and have two transfers for game week two. Yeah. Okay. Should we run down these fixtures real quick? See yeah. what jumps out. Clean yeah. sheets. Captain picks. That sounds good. Yeah. Let's just go through this uh, very quickly because I, I, I'm <clears throat> conscious of not going too long for this this game week. Uh, uh, for this first podcast of the of the game weeks, um, okay. The the overwhelming, always cheating, philosophical question: Do you captain somebody in the first early morning fixture on Saturday? We've got Manchester United away to Swansea. Big round looked great. Do you captain him? Um, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Is there any <laughs> any reason not to? <laughs> no, I agree. I think it's you just have to do it. It's less fun to have a captain in the first match, but it just seems like the standout favorite here. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make an argument for one of the Liverpool players, too. I think you could captain Salah or Mane uh, at home of Crystal Palace. I think that is a totally legit move. Uh, but yeah, it, I think Kane, I think I think Lukaku is the obvious choice. Uh, Saturday, also, this it seems so unsexy, but I'm kind of excited about the Burnley-West Brom match. Uh, a Burnley who kind of looked like they had their attacking game together against Chelsea and West Brom, who we kind of undersold at the start of the season. Right. They, they look like that squad is, is gelling more than we thought they would. So I, I had no idea what's going to happen in this game. Yeah, I agree. That is an interesting game. Um, let's see. Yeah, Leicester Brighton is kind of interesting. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking at Vardy right now. I thought Vardy looked really good. Um, I don't think I would spend that much money on him when you could get – uh, yeah, for, for six million. yeah or, or, or for me for that matter yeah now okay so we've talked quite a bit about liverpool what do you think about um them hosting palace and i think more importantly what do we think about palace are they going to be able to bounce back to that like miserable performance <laughs> i don't know why you would think that i mean it's not like i mean their defense was bad last year and it looks bad again this year i mean they actually uh fosa mensa looked pretty good and had that really nice stop but um yeah i, I i'm not a believer in palace i mean i, I actually pr- i'm probably going to put loftus cheek on the bench and go for at the back uh for my yeah. formation of game week two it uh, does put yeah. a little pressure on anyone who's really thinking about uh bringing in more liverpool attack like if you don't have any liverpool attack Probably strong, want to strongly consider bringing them in ahead of yeah. this Palace match. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I wouldn't even want to watch those 10 o'clock games on Saturday if I didn't have a Liverpool player, because <laughs> that, that's yeah. going to get crazy. Uh, and I'm actually excited, too, because it's my first visit to the football factory of the season, and um, I'm actually meeting up with a couple of uh, FPL folks. So uh, I won't say their names, because um, it's all been on uh, direct message. I don't want to betray any any. Secret identities, Any man. Secret identities or whatever. But, yeah, I'll be at the Football Factory uh, Saturday morning. So if you're there, uh, come and uh, say hello. Um, maybe you'll hear my voice. I'll be, I'll be yelling at the screen for sure. All right. The, the last fixture of Saturday is Arsenal v. Stoke. We didn't talk about the completely um, unconventional formation that Arsene Wenger was playing in which there wasn't a single central defender on the pitch. <sighs> so strange. Yeah. And at the end of the game, it was just Nacho Monreal back there all by himself, <laughs> occasionally partnering with Kolasniak. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, it's a, that, that was that was I, I can't believe they won. I guess it was so unorthodox. You know, I was joking. That's that, one way to one way to do it. Just yeah. all attackers. Yeah. No I was, defense. I was, for, for people who follow American football, I was joking. It was like the spread offense, you know, or it's just a, <laughs> these clumps of attackers together. And the Aaron Ramsey basically scored his goal. And it was like having like a three wide receiver set where it was just like, third ball. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Um, yeah. So I think, I think Arsenal probably, um, their attack looked fine. Lacazette looked good. We didn't talk about him at all. We didn't talk about him or, um, 
uh, or uh, Murata. We didn't talk about Murata or Lacazette, the new boys, the new strikers. Both are good. I think Murata kind of comes out ahead after this week, certainly given that Murata like, easily earned his starting spot over Bacuay with that performance. That headed pass was a beautiful. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. nice. He looked very composed at the end of that game when the pressure was on for Chelsea to put something, anything together. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, he calmly did so. I mean, Lacazette's headed goal was very nicely taken. After that, though, um, it was a little scattershot. So I, yeah. I feel like Murata comes out ahead. That's true. I mean, Lacazette didn't have too many chances after that. That, that. that Arsenal squad is still kind of unsettled. I think the problem is Ozil didn't look very good at all. He looked really off the pace. Yeah, they need. It's, it's just yeah. the first game, and, and maybe he needs to warm up a bit. I don't think I'd overinvest in that Arsenal squad until Alexis is back. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, uh, Huddersfield Newcastle, which that's kind of a fun game, you know. That'll Pretty, be a fun game. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think I'm, I'm actually leaning towards bringing in Moe. I just don't know that I believe in Ward Prowse. I mean, he's on corners sometimes, but mm-hmm. uh, he got subbed in the game. There's some talk that he might need, not be a long term starter for them, so. Um, it could just be that I have that trend like that. It's, it's kind of hard not to make a transfer after game week one. You got, you want to just like maximize. Keep it going. Yeah, exactly. It's something that, you know, James Eggersdorf, who's one of the, uh, the top longtime, uh, FPL manager who still doesn't follow us on Twitter despite many at messages. So dude, come on, yeah, come on, James, uh, someone who knows him. Come on, let's let's get the follow back. <laughs> get him on the phone. Uh, he talks about you know one one of his strategies is really is is really thinking about each game week on its own and trying to maximize points in those particular uh-huh. games, and not always thinking three or four weeks ahead, thinking about the the game week that's in front of you. And I don't know that I've always been very good at that. I think I often, yeah. as we talked about a lot on this podcast already, I I really value players who are consistent starters. But um, you know, if I feel like that player is going to play the next game week and maybe the next two, then I I should be considering them more often. So. Uh, no, and uh, New, Newcastle obligatory mention for the John Joe Shelby red card, just like a hashtag classic. I know what a joke. Spurs <laughs> Chelsea. Uh, yeah, this has got to be one of the marquee fixtures here, and Harry Kane is going to be on a lot of people's watch lists here. He's got to score in order to keep his spots in our FPL teams. I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess if he looks really bad, then maybe you just drop him for a while. And, um, you know, because I already have some Spurs coverage with Erickson, so I could I could bring in Erickson and Alley, or I could just, I mean, he, you know, 12.5 million, you really, you, you really want some pretty consistent returns from him. Yeah, watching that Newcastle match, I really felt like if you had Erickson, and I mean, obviously, because Kane didn't, he got one point, you'd feel pretty good having sure. the double with Erickson and Kane, but right. uh, Erickson and Alley, but... Um, that feels like it would it will be a masterstroke for a while. Yeah, I mean Erickson because Erickson like almost always plays the full ninety, and he's like a bonus point magnet. So um, he was yeah. running everything totally and no, shooting no a lot. Surprise. Yeah, I mean to pick up twelve points from him it was pretty pretty awesome. Uh, and then Monday we've got Man City Everton. Yeah, another interesting game. Everton started off strong, but I don't think anyone's predicting them to do well at the Etihad. So the question here is how many goals. Do City have in them? Uh, and uh, you know, Jesus and Aguero both looked pretty good. Yep, uh, yep. J- Jesus had that unfortunate accidental uh, handball that led to a yellow card, almost scored him a goal. <laughs> that was harsh. That was a harsh. It was card. harsh. It was very harsh. Um, <laughs> and, and much like Harry Kane, Kevin De Bruyne is going to be. Um, He's going to be on parole here, yeah. so you better do something. See, yeah, that would be a move I would like to do. Would be um, if Jesus starts consistently starting. And sc- I mean, he's going to start, but if he starts consistently scoring, is we came to Jesus 
and then uh, KDB, because then you've got some Man City coverage, KDB to like Alley, and then I'd have like $2.5 million that I could spend somewhere else. Something to watch for would be the continued um, early substitution of Jesus. I know that's really frustrating because you're losing out on possible points at the end of the game. Right. But that is usually a signal that the manager is keeping that player fresh for yeah, continued true. starts. That's a good point. So it's an interesting thing to pay attention to. All right, should be. I, I hope there are a, uh, a million goals in game week two as there were in game week yeah. one. You're going to be away in Barbados. <laughs> yeah, I will be on Barbados. So uh, we're going to have a guest podcast host filling my shoes. Our old favorite from last season, Dave Wegner Lodal. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people really liked that podcast when he was on. He was really, uh, he was a uh, really good addition to the pod. Uh, Brennan, where where can people find us? Okay, be sure to follow us. We're on Twitter uh, at Hail Cheaters H A I L Cheaters. Facebook.com slash Always Cheating. Be sure to follow us for every single pod we post on SoundCloud. And uh, our website is alwayscheating.com, where you can find links to all this stuff, including a link to join uh, the Always Cheating Super League. We always are welcoming new managers. We have well over 1,500 at this point. It's amazing. Keep them coming. And uh, if we haven't answered any of the, uh, the questions that you have on this week's pod, just send us an email, hailcheaters at gmail.com. And uh, Josh, we're still looking for people to support our uh, our <laughs> humble little podcast effort. How can people do that? Uh, you go to patreon.com slash always cheating. Now, uh, just as uh, just as a note, we haven't talked about this too much on the podcast, actually, but we have a Survivor League that we're doing. We're not going to start the Survivor League. So a- anyone who pledges $3 or above uh, is, is automatically going to get entry into the Survivor League. Um, and I'm actually starting that at the second international break. I just felt like... There's a lot going on the first few weeks of the season. Everyone's really focused on their FPL team, you know. But like, come six or seven, you know, six or seven game weeks in, when you sort of have a handle on things, maybe you played your wild card, then that's when you need the extra juice. So I think I thought we'd start the Survivor League uh, then. So uh, if you have not pledged on support of the podcast yet, uh, you get in in the next you know six weeks or so, and uh, you'll be able to be part of that. One last note on the Patreon page: we for anyone who pledges on the Patreon page, we have discounts for the fantasy football magazine and i just wanted to say i got the third issue of ff mag in the mail uh late this week and it looks fantastic they've got a team by team breakdown of of every uh team in the league so go to our patreon page to see how you can get discounts and also win free copies of the magazine uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and basically anywhere where podcasts are being broadcast. You can find us. Uh, if you can't find us there, let us know ASAP, and we will get that set up. All right, so good luck in Game Week 2. Think of me. I will be doing my best Watford impression uh, as I'm on the beach in Barbados. All right. Uh, pra- praise Mumbakani. Poku forever. Pogba can shoot? All right, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.